You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. Luxury is changing. For many affluent travelers, five-star indulgence just isn't enough anymore, as traditional ideas of top-end travel are being redefined. Opulent hotels and first-class travel are becoming less of a priority than experiences that are distinct and highly personalized. This shift has meant bespoke travel companies have never been in greater demand. Specialists in creating one-of-a-kind dream trips catering to the traveler's every want and wish. My guest on the luxury item is Tom Marchant, owner and co-founder of bespoke luxury travel company Black Tomato, where he oversees parent company the Black Tomato Group's biz dev, marketing, and creative strategies. Tom co-founded Black Tomato in 2005, and it quickly built a reputation for delivering imaginative and cutting-edge private travel experiences around the world. Known for handcrafting inspiring, immersive, and deeply personal itineraries for clients, Black Tomato has been awarded accolades such as Condé Nast Traveler's Top Travel Specialists and Reader's Choice Awards 2021 and Travel and Leisure's World's Best Tour Operators 2022. Welcome to The Luxury Item, Tom. Thanks very much for having me, Scott. So pleased that you could join me. So let's start things off by turning back the clock to 2005 when you launched Black Tomato. How did the idea for Black Tomato come about? Like what unmet opportunity did you see in the luxuries travel space at that time? Yeah, definitely winding back the clock. Um, the idea for Black Tomato really, really began um, when I was at college with one of my co-founders James Merritt and we, we we met and it was sort of a meeting of minds we we're both very passionate about travel both sons of fathers who are entrepreneurs and and both had this kind of inner desire to to build a business one day so that was always there present and we then traveled every spare moment we had traveled together whether it was holidays during college and then some periods after we, we graduated and it was over these travels um all over the world that and the seed was planted that actually one day we'd like to build a business around this 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 industry or this this, this traveling that we absolutely loved and we definitely subscribed to the view that it would be okay to turn a passion into a job because then it wouldn't feel like a job you know a lot of people say don't turn something you love into a job because you'll fall out of love with it it was totally the opposite with us it was like right. how can we build a company that um we get to do things we love all the time and we love researching you know exploring and sharing our our stories and adventures with with friends and our networks and and it was sort of that love of doing it and want and desire to do it kind of let us kind of just interrogate the industry as it stood more and we've both taken jobs in the in the corporate world as a means to kind of earn some income perhaps pick up some transferable skills alongside our third co-founder matt smith and it was during that period that we started seeing what became sort of the opportunity if you like for you know, what eventually became Black Tomato. And that was, you know, speaking to colleagues or, or clients and seeing how they were traveling. And and there was this huge desire we saw for people in quite busy, quite demanding jobs with, 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 with decent incomes to, to get out there and explore the world and really have these experiences. But but they couldn't find a company that really spoke to them in the way that they felt about the world and how they wanted to kind of grab the world and see it in the limited time they could take off from their jobs. And there are lots of great, great other travel companies out there in the luxury space, but perhaps doing things in what I'd say is probably more kind of traditional, um, you know, by rote approach. And, and Black Tomato was very much about 
the pursuit of experience. And, and that's a word I'll probably use a lot of times in this, in this, this conversation. But back in those days, you didn't really talk about experiences. You talked about destinations and activities. And we were all about the experience. And so it was, it was a combination of a love of travel, going into the corporate world and seeing a lot of people like us who love travel, didn't have time to plan it, didn't have the company to kind of go with because they didn't feel, feel, feel understood. And it was just a combination of factors coming together that eventually gave us the, uh, you know, the, the confidence and acted as a catalyst to, to, to launch what became Black Tomato. So what was your mission? Well, our mission first, it was just to do <laughs> some trips, if I'm honest, Scott. Uh, in those early days, it was keeping alive. But our mission really was to was to introduce another side of the world to people. That's how we that's how we we, we refer to it internally. And and the, the the line we always used in those days, which wasn't necessarily our mission statement, but it was an insight, was your time is precious, your time off even more so. And it was really dialing in on that and and reminding people that we we just don't get that much time off. So if you're going to take time off, make sure that every second of that time is is well spent, that you can look back on it and say, I, I did that right. Uh, I, I, I saw what I wanted to. I, I haven't felt I've missed out. I, I don't have regrets. I, you know, and, and, and that's, that's something else I should add. We saw when we we're doing our research, you'd meet a lot of people you know, at a dinner party or at the pub or, you know, at the sports match saying, where have you been? What have you done? And There'd be this like, oh, I went there, but I, I realised I didn't get to see that. Or someone else then told me about this and I, I didn't know. And there's, you had this horrible feeling of, I'm just taking two weeks off or, or a week off to have this great trip. But I, I felt like I really didn't get under the skin of the place. So I, I really only scratched the surface. So I, I missed out on these things I should have known. And I don't know who I can talk to to help me do that. So that was where we said there's an opportunity for us to be that informed friend that we all hope to have in every town and every destination around the world who can really lift the lid on, on on how to do it and how to see it in a in a in a truly magical way. So here you are building a luxury brand. So at the outset, what were some of your biggest pain points in growing the business and building this luxury brand? I mean there were so many. Um, but I think yeah when we're talking about luxury, I think it's, it was credibility, if I'm being totally honest, because uh, there were Three of us who are in our sort of mid to late twenties, who love travel, um, who view the world, but, but totally unknowns. And in those days, and I still think to an extent now, a lot of luxury brands are based based on heritage or um, credibility. So just kind of say, you know, there is there is substance to us. You know, we're we're, we're known. Um, you can trust us. You know, trust is a big part of luxury. So for us, it was you know to build a brand in this space. Very quickly, it was like, well, how can we build credibility? Um, and also, we needed credibility to not just build a brand or, or convince clients to use us, but even, even to get some of the partners that didn't know who we were to start working with us. Right. So, so for, for the rest, of that, you know, it, credibility manifested itself in many ways. Some of it might have been press coverage we got from influential titles who, who tried trips with us and said, actually, these guys really do know what they're talking about. I've tried them and they're brilliant. And suddenly an endorsement from X publication, you know, even subconsciously would have an, an impact on a client's decision-making process to use us. So it was about sort of, you know, then, then finding the right partners and, and demonstrating that, you know, the relationships we have with these partners were right, showing to our clients that, you know, what we profess to offer, we genuinely could offer that. You know, I think a lot of people can get into the travel world and promise the world no pun intended, um, right. but not actually delivering. 
And again, in the luxury space, you don't get many shots to get it right. In fact, I'd say out of all the various sectors, it's probably the, the least forgiving. So, you know, we, we, had, to, we had to get it right and, and build credibility, establish trust. Um, and, and we were lucky that we, we managed to do that. We, we got people using us. Well, since the launch of Black Tomato, the travel and tourism industry bore the brunt of both the 2018 financial crisis and the 2020 COVID crisis. And in the immediate aftermath of the global financial crisis in 2008, consumers pulled back on discretionary spending, canceling or downsizing planned vacations, businesses tightened their belts and cut corporate travel expense accounts, and even the richest 1% suffered large losses early on in the recession, but bounced back quicker. How did it impact your business, which was really in its infancy stage? Yes. I mean, it, it, the short answer, it, it, it impacted us uh, heavily. Um but in what I'd say is sort of heavily positive ways as well. Look, firstly, because we're in our infancy, we didn't have huge overheads. We didn't have, you know, a crazy cost base that um, would be, you know, hard to to unravel. So we, we could be dynamic. We could be, uh, which we still aspire to be every day today, um, but we could be adaptable. We could be flexible. So so we were working in a tough, in a tough space, but we could be agile. Um, but what we did was it, the first thing was we really, really, rifled in with our focus on on the customers that we knew would still want to keep traveling if they could you know um and so that meant um a far clearer understanding of who our customer was and and what they wanted now some of our customers don't see travel as a discretionary spend they see it as a as a life defining aspect Mm -hmm. and so there would be other things that they would forego um way ahead of travel but it was those people we said these are the ones people we need to be speaking to so the people that perhaps previously been working with us or considering us for discretionary spend, we said, well, look, we're probably not going to see much business from those from that, that segment for a while. And that's sad for everyone, but understandable. So that was one thing. Rifle focus on who the, on who the customer base would be that would hopefully still carry us through this, this challenging period. Second thing was about, well, what is going to make someone want to travel? What is going to make someone say, well, I have to go now, not... I'd like to do this, but you know what? I can wait till next year or the year after and I, I can make a saving on that. So, so then it was looking at the product and the experience we're offering and, and, and finding those experiences that had a real must do now. That, that might be because it's a place that's just been discovered and in two years time, it's going to kind of be out there and everyone's going to know about it and, and have lost its allure. It could be a um, natural phenomenon that is only going to occur this year. And we're not going to see it again for another 50 years. So if you imagine all those different criteria, but that lent a sense of urgency to, to why you needed to travel now, that informed our product development and enabled us to be putting trip ideas in front of this travel hungry, defined by audience. And when you kind of combine those two aspects, um, it, it led to us being able to still generate business and, and get us through that that part. And, and we also did other things which showed us that showed our customers that we were aware of the challenging natures we had back in the day. It was it was far harder to do then than it probably is now with various um, APIs. But we had a currency map on the site that showed you know, the world and and where your pound because we were largely we started in London, so we were yet to be in the US market then, but largely you know, how far your pound went in certain destinations. So, so where could you get most bang for your well, buck, but in this case, pound? And even that um, helped. And it also showed to our customer base that we were thinking all the time about still trying to get them the best possible value uh, when they took their travels. So a combination of factors, but it, it definitely 
it made us adapt. It, it made us innovate. And I think as a result of, of, of those actions, um, we survived it. But one of the consequences of the 2008 financial crisis was a shift in the marketplace and consumer attitudes, behaviors, and values. You know, conspicuous consumption was out and meaning and personal growth were in. So did you start to see that shift play out in the types of experiences wealthy travelers were asking for? Yeah, we, de- we definitely saw that, that that shift in in inquiries or types of inquiries. I think, though, fortunately for us, you know, the, the kind of travel we've been doing since the outset was quite often about, you know, getting into you know the great wildernesses, you know, going on treks, getting off, you know, getting off the grid. Um, it wasn't, you know, we, we do a we do a, a range now, um, but you know that covers that. But also with, you know, we, we work with private villas and private houses and, and hotels around the world. But it, at that time, as there was a shift towards, like you say, this kind of more meaningful, uh, measured, conspicuous side, it actually kind of aligned just by chance with our, with our with our product range at the time. So we saw the shift, but fortunately for us, a lot of what we were doing catered to that. And so actually people almost like found us because of the stuff we were doing and said, okay, I, I like the way you guys are approaching or the type of stuff you're offering. Um, so it dovetailed. But yeah, I mean, I definitely remember seeing that shift. And I definitely remember having conversations with clients about things they, they'd like to do, but they're going to, they're going to, wait on that for a couple of years but there's something else they want to do that that, that spoke to a more um paired back um uh cautious approach to kind of their spend so let's fast forward to 2020 and COVID 19 brought the travel industry to a halt you know the full devastating impact it had on the global travel and tourism sector amounted to losses of something like 4.5 trillion dollars did black tomato hit the brakes immediately and how do you keep customers engaged and give them a reason to dream about making up for that lost time while waiting for the situation to improve? Oh, it's funny talking about COVID because, yeah, is, it, it was such an experience. I mean, let, let's not lose sight of the fact it was it was such a tougher experience for so many people that actually did live with it and were affected by it. But obviously, the travel industry was, was decimated and and we we weren't unlike anyone else. Um, the... Did we have to hit the brakes immediately? Well, yes, but I'd say yes and no. You know, what was there? You know, there was profound change overnight. Um, I, I remember speaking with an editor of a, a magazine probably in February when COVID was being talked about, and we we both probably more through out of sheer optimism or hope said, Oh, it's probably not going to be something big, it'll be, it'll be gone in a month's time. And I think that was more we just were, were hoping. Right. And then you then you went forward to March, and I remember eventually kind of you know being the last man out of our big office in in Shoreditch, sort of locking the door and, and wondering when we'd be coming back into that as people moved to remote. So yes, things had to change, um, and and there were certain things we were doing that we had to that we had to stop because we had to make sure that we could keep the lights on to get through this period. But other things needed to progress. So firstly, we had clients who were still, if they could hope to travel. So we still needed to be there for them. Um, we also needed to be there crucially for our partners all over the world who are going through equally some of them, if not more so painful experiences about trying to kind of stay alive. And I think one thing that I did, I mean, I love the travel industry, but what I really loved in terms of COVID as, as tough as it was, the silver lining to that dark cloud was how much the travel industry all pulled for each other. So how much we all tried to support each other, whether it was, you know, these tiny partners in, remote parts of the world who we've been working with for years who had their businesses for 50, 100 years, generations, making sure that they were still helped to kind of get through this and and making sure for our clients who couldn't travel but might need refunds that we could we could help them as well. So 
So it, it, it was sort of breaks in one regard, but but not in another. So it was about keeping the lights on for them. But then to your point, it was absolutely not putting the brakes on to keep engaged with people because our, our belief was, yeah, obviously at the time based on hope rather than science was that this this period would pass. But, you know, as, as and when that would happen, we didn't know. But the goal was we needed to make sure that Black Tomato would be present and available and importantly front of mind in our customers' eyes when this period passed so that when the world would open up again and there would be this re-emergence of travel, people would want to do it and hopefully you'd want to do it with us. So we we we, we adapted, uh, but we, we, we came up with a whole host of different um, content campaigns, different outreach to our customers just to let them know that we're we're thinking of them. And I think it was a very, it was a very, it was a very narrow, tight rope to walk, I should add for this. And I think we, we probably all got stories about people who did this well and people who didn't do it well. But I don't criticize anyone because it's a tough time. But what I mean is how you marketed during COVID and did it in a way that was sensitive and thoughtful and not you know, tone deaf. Because I think sometimes we saw certain brands out there just pushing all these messages yeah, out. Yeah. And, you thought, and you thought, well, do we really need to be talking about holidays when, when, when people are dying all around and I'm hearing the sirens and blue lights outside my house every night and, and you'd wrestle with that but so what we did was we, I think we took a very careful and thoughtful way which basically the message was we're here we're thinking of you there are far more important things going on in the world right now um but as and when you're ready we're waiting for you and we're thinking about you and we, and we, we pushed that through certain channels but yeah one thing we did we had a, we had a campaign called stay dreaming so it, it was just a, it was just a flick on daydreaming but you know we're we're staying at home but we're dreaming and, and the, the pun also is that we're dreaming these days and what we did is we went out to the various people in the industry and said share with us your stay dreams so what, where are you dreaming of going when we can go again and so we had everyone from you know owners of Borgo of Nazia to Brett Armitage uh, one and only to clients of ours to to press you know to all sharing these great stories and we, we'd share them out and it just acted as inspiration um and and a reminder um, that one day it will come again and perhaps it will feel during that first time you ever travel or maybe you haven't traveled for ages and that first time you travel it just feels so magical and it's like, perhaps it's going to feel like that again it'll feel like as good as it did you know the first time I went so we, we sort of zero in on these emotions that everyone was feeling and try and let people know that we were thinking so we'd be pushing content to them in that way you know, we did other little things where we'd, we'd do chats using videos like record little not podcasts, but sessions where we'd get interesting people to share the favorite objects that they found when they're traveling. So whether it was like Jackie Gifford from TNL or Paul Crowton from Rob Report um, or Melinda Stevens from Condé Nast, we just get people sharing interesting things. And it just it kept it kept the lights on and it kept people motivated and happy. And and then also alongside that, and I, I, I will stop because I'm waffling, but we we also developed product that we knew people would say, gosh, you know, when when I can travel again, I'm I'm taking that. And, and you know, we, 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 and so we came with a whole number of different iterations of chip ideas. You know, one being I remember um, you know, we, we with our with our fixers in Iceland, we worked out that you could go swimming um um under the midnight sun off the coast um around Wales. So there was this thing about not only am I going to go swimming at midnight in the ocean, but around Wales as well. And it was this just mind-blowingly exciting experience that we said, you know, this, these are the things you can look forward to. So then even during COVID and people couldn't travel, we were actually, you know, selling business because people were saying, sign me up for that, or you're giving me these things to look forward to. So it was, 
Oh, it was a crazy time. It was a it was a truly tragic time, all told. But I think I've always been proud of you know, the team at Black Tomato for their ability to innovate, their curiosity, and their their, their thoughtfulness. And I think that really shone through then in terms of things we did. And certainly, we've heard since then in terms of feedback from clients that the, the uh, our outreach, the thoughtfulness of our messaging made a difference, and and it and it kind of kept them interested in us, which was you know ultimately quite important. And summer 2021 seemed to have been the breaking point for recovery and opening at different places, depending on you know where you look. And you jump back in with a really innovative multi-generational travel offering called Take Me On A Story, which is a collection mm-hmm. of these five bespoke travel itineraries inspired by legendary children's books like Alice in Wonderland and Arabian Nights. Can you talk about these fairy tale inspired voyages and why you went all in on targeting families post lockdown. Yes, um, I think the you know if I just you know if I was just talking about the, the lives people were living during COVID. You know we were stuck at home. Um, we were dreaming. You know we were wandering constantly. And, and and one thing we saw you know just from our clients, but from people that work um, that I work with, family members was you know how much these stories that were being read to children at bedtimes or who were being homeschooled took on almost a more, I don't know, a more a more meaningful uh, place in terms of their minds than they ever had before because it was suddenly the sense of escapism that obviously stories give you just felt all the more powerful because we were so locked down. So these stories that were being told, you know, whether it's Arabian Nights, Alice in Wonderland, it just got people dreaming of, wow, you know, what would it be like if we could do this? It wasn't just like, this is a great story and I'm going to go on holiday tomorrow. It's like, this is a great story. And wouldn't this be amazing if I could actually do this when I can't do anything? So it was that seed of that insight that was sort of left with us internally. And I, don't, I should also say, you know, literature has always been a massive source of inspiration for us at Black Tomato. We're, we're, we're big believers in the power of stories. So we've always, over the years, looked at kind of how literature can inspire. So, so we saw the opportunity and said, well, why don't we take some of the classic children's literature and turn them into immersive trips that we can introduce to our clients, potential clients for families and allow them to book it and give them and most importantly their children something to really look forward to when we can um you know, as we come out of COVID um and 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 you know and 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 show and almost like reflect upon something that had become a you know a a, a commonality in terms of the storytelling and the dreaming of being able to, to, to get away during COVID. So that was where it that's where it started from. And, and with families, families, you know, it's we are a, you know, we're a company of families. There's lots of um, lots of my my brilliant colleagues have have families, um, including myself. And so we're always looking at how can that, how can we, you know, optimize the travel experience. And I think over the years we've just started collecting lots of families as clients. And when we started the company, we were a lot younger. We didn't have families, but we'd still get some family clients because they they shared our attitude, if you like. They shared our curiosity with the world, and they they were keen to perhaps do stuff that was at the time a little less conventional than some of the traditional family offering but as times we've gone so more and more families have gravitated towards using black tomato and that's and that's and there's a whole host of obviously different family experiences that you can offer you know we do multi-generational trips so that may be grandparents parents grandkids cousins involved where we're taking a big group somewhere and creating these magical experiences but also within that giving each member of the family sort of tailored experiences for themselves. So it doesn't always feel like they're moving around as a big group. Um, once we start working with the family, we'll start doing different trips for them over the years. So maybe mum and dad will go away for a trip just then, then they'll go away with the family. Maybe the kids, once they've left college, will go on a trip we've organised. So 
we, we tried to become sort of part of the, we're not sounding too creepy because it's not how it's intended, but sort of an extension of their kind of travel family. So we, we understand their needs. We understand kind of where they want to go. We, we have a service we call the Rider, um, which we launched last year, which is basically a riff on the, you know, the music, musicians' riders when they travel right. everywhere. So, so wherever they go, they've always got their rider. So it's always the same thing. And they kind of like that consistency. So whether it's this town or that town, the rider behind the stage kind of keeps them balanced. And we launched that for our family. So every family that travels with us you know, has their riders. So we know all their needs, their wants. And, and certain things are always in place wherever they go in the world. So there's a familiarity, there's a consistency, there's a there's an understanding of what matters to them. Now, those needs might change over time, obviously, as children get older or, or, or tastes change. But the point is, it's a it's a platform and it's a it's a service that says to our families, we really understand what's important, what isn't. So, yeah, we've, we've learned a lot. Um, Take Me the Story is a great example of a, of a, you know, a product line that we developed for our families and was you know, fortunately really well received and we've done lots of wonderful trips for, for for children and parents and grandparents alike um but we just like you know innovating you know for this really important market um who, who deserves to have you know interesting inspirational travel products put in front of them beyond some of those perhaps not bad but just more traditional stuff that's out there no i would love to be a fly on the wall at one of your brainstorming sessions so what are they like how do you come up with these new and innovative offerings and itineraries well, uh, uh, there's a number of ways in which they kind of come to life. I mean, first, I would say the most sort of important thing we have at Black Tomato is we is the values we have. So our, our three core values at Black Tomato is about being humble, being thoughtful, and being curious. And they're so important to us that we you know, we we recruit against them. Uh, we celebrate them in so many different facets of the business in terms of rewarding people, acknowledging people. But it, what it means is that everyone who kind of walks through the black tomato doors is coming in with a curious mind and a thoughtful mind and we we encourage people to, to share these thoughts and ideas and, and there's a myriad of, of platforms and and opportunities for these things to be shared so that's firstly if you like the base that we're working off is that we we have a culture of curious people and i think if you, if you have that you, you are lucky and you're also kind of not quite future proofing but you're giving yourself a good chance of ensuring that good ideas will continue to flow and ultimately flourish in a business if you recognize as, as, as leadership that they're important but then we also have a number of other platforms we have an innovation council that meets um every two months and and the, the remit of that council um and it's it's a kind of cross-company council made up of people from product from marketing from sales from operations um from crm customer relationship management from um content creative um is to kind of look at you know new product ideas but how do those product ideas come about what's informing them so we, we, people come in lots of prep work is done um and then they'll bring ideas in but also the ideas might be really really um quite on, on massive tangents could be ideas from other industries and we're, we're big believers in looking outside of the travel world for inspiration but also just thoughts or trends and so the idea of the innovation council is to just kind of plant seeds that could develop into big new products um, and also around services as well. So, so that meets, so products and services come out of that innovation council. And that's been you know, the source of you know, at, at least four or five of our strongest ideas in the last three years. Um, and it's something that I, you know, I personally love um, being involved in running. And, and we've got just a really brilliant team there. And we like to mix it up as well. But it's the innovation council um, as well. And then we have another council called the Client Experience Council, which is relatively new. But this is a 
this is a, a team that is constantly, constantly reviewing client experience and 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 learning or, or asking questions of ourselves, like how can we improve it? Constantly asking questions, never settling for, well, it's good enough. Um, and, and it's always been good, so we don't need to change it. And so looking again in the industry, but looking outside of the industry and and, and asking ourselves, are we giving the best possible service we can, not just within travel, but also against anyone in service industries? And I think I think sometimes industries or maybe the travel industry can be guilty of saying, well, it's, it's good enough for travel. And I think we forget that our customers, when they're assessing how we respond to requests, how we manage um, an experience, how we deal with changes, whatever it is, they're not just comparing us against perhaps a competitor or what they've seen before. They're comparing us against how their um, their, their health club may service them, how their favorite restaurant looks after them, how their favorite fashion brand contacts them, deals with complaints, whatever. So you know, how their, their mobile phone network kind of services them. So you are constantly being appraised your service, I think, not just within our sector, but outside of that. And, and that recognition forces you to, to, to raise the game and, and and keep pushing forward. So, yeah, it's, and I think everyone gets that within Black Tomato. There's this need to, like, keep moving forward, not not just for the sake of it. But, you know, if you look at how things are done today to how they were when we launched, they're vastly different. But it would have been easy just to sit back and say, well, we'll just do it this way because it's worked that way. But if we'd done that, I don't think we'd be here still. So, yeah, like I say, there's a, there's a myriad of platforms, um, get-togethers, vehicle teams um, that, that that foster and drive forward innovation. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's an area that myself and my partners are, are, are very proud of. And, and it's always great to see the ideas that the, 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 the talented people at Black Tomato are, are bringing to the table. So let me talk about the company. So today, the Black Tomato Group is the parent company, and you generate revenue from three businesses, right? The two luxury brands, Black Tomato and Epic Tomato, which is more expedition-led adventures, and a new travel creative agency. And tell me if I'm pronouncing this right. Is it Soster? It is. You are pronouncing it right. So are you trying to position yourself with all these businesses as the go-to brand for everything luxury travel? <laughs> uh no, no, we're not. Um, although, like, you know, I I hope people always consider us when uh, when they when they're doing their luxury travel or luxury needs. I mean, to be honest, I think if you look at uh, your know, Epic Tomato launched years ago, and it it, it still serves a, a strong purpose. But ultimately, when it when it launched, I think um, we wanted to kind of carve out a space for and give a bit more air to breathe for a more adventurous expedition type of travel that we had been doing with Black Tomato, but we thought there was space for something a little bit separate to, to live and breathe. And, and that's what launched Epic. And Epic still produces many great expeditions. But I would also add that a lot of people who use Black Tomato now will learn about Epic, but do some of these expeditions within Black Tomato. It's part of the same family, but it was necessary then to launch it and, and establish it in that fashion. And and um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we have and continue to create some wonderful expeditions, which is which is uh, which is brilliant. Uh, with Susta, um, that's yeah. That's really a source of huge pride for us. I think when we when we started Black Tomato, um, for us it was always important, you know, to get you know, the product right. But also the the only way people are going to find out about your products is if you if you if you are creating great content, great messaging, strong creative to bring it to life. And I think I I always I found it ironic when we first started that we in the travel industry are, are blessed. We're the luckiest people in the world when it comes to marketing um or creating creative because we literally have the world to play with i mean we have the, you know the most beautiful inspiring moving natural assets in the world um 
to to sell and yet i would look around when we started and say i'm kind of can't believe this you know i'd be sat on a, a tube in london looking at an advert for a destination and it would just make me not want to go there and I just thought it was fascinating how people could get it so wrong or we're doing it by the numbers or we're just not inspired to get it right so, so we made creative a, a central point of black tomatoes growth strategy you know if we had strong messaging if we had creative that people liked and and and, and brought them to us so we would build empathy so we'd find people saying I like how that company talks I like how they're positioning themselves I like I like the kind of the content they're producing yeah they get me I'm like that and and as we all know once you are building empathy so the propensity to to want to work together to to use you it increases you know if I read copy on the side of a food product perhaps that I like that I'm looking at against another one and this copy is making me smile or, or sort of saying it makes you feel like they get me and I'm probably going to buy that over the other, even though it's probably, even though, you know, there may be a myriad of reasons why I should do it the other one. So it was about getting it right. And as we grew and and creative remained at the heart of Black Tomato, we started getting approaches from other brands and companies within the travel sector saying, look, we, we see what you're doing at Black Tomato. You know, are, are you using outside agencies for that? And we'd say, no, we've got a very talented bunch of people who work in-house on that. Um, and people said, well, yeah, could you perhaps, could you be interested in doing a campaign with us and we'd maybe do a campaign? And after that, they said, could we, you know, start using your creative services for our own business you know, without even having to, to without, want, without working with you because we just want to keep doing it. And so we started getting approaches like this um, from all sorts, from hotel groups to tourist boards. And eventually it got to the point that actually there's a, there's a business here, which is around creating brilliant creative and, and strategy um, and ideas for people in the travel industry or using travel as a vehicle for people outside of the travel industry, but to kind of use it in their campaigns um, that you could build an agency around. Um, and that was the um, the start of, of what we launched. And, um, and and it was back in the day, it was Studio Black Tomato, but we we wanted to kind of really push it forward because the area is getting so much business, but we thought it was important to create a kind of a, a more distinctive brand. So we um, and about a year and a half ago, launched Sister, which basically is, is Scandinavian, um, a Scandinavian well, Nordic term, which means sister, whether it's in Sweden, Denmark, right. which is basically the sister of Black Tomato. And we have you know, an absolutely brilliant team there who are working with some of the, the, the great brands in travel, but also brands outside of travel, but who want to use, like I said, travel content within their campaigns or as within their activations to bring it to life. So it's been great to see um Sister Flourish. Um they've got a they've got a really good team there. And um I'm yeah, I'm sure that's gonna I hope yeah it's gonna go from strength to strength. You know, you're so close to the luxury traveler. Can you describe who today's luxury traveler is? Like what are their priorities? What's driving them? What do they want to get out of the travel experience? Yeah, I mean I think at, at heart the luxury traveler our luxury traveler, I should say, because obviously it's, it's quite a broad time. They're still curious people. I think that, you know, there is a kind of, there's a, there's a desire to, to see places, to experience places, um, and either you know, maybe early ahead of others, um, but also in ways that um, if you have you know, limited time to travel, it needs to be done. It needs to feel seamless. So when people are traveling, it, things need to feel intuitive um you they need to feel that whoever they're traveling with or where they're staying is one step ahead of them um but what i'd also add is it, it just depends on also the nature of the trip so you know someone who is trekking through the mongolian step might not be going and going well this is going to be a seamless kind of butler you know door-to-door service but 
they're, 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 they're wanting to embrace that sense of challenge, but also, again, in a seamless way. So the guides we're using, the way it's set up, is done so it feels that they can really focus on being there in the moment without having to feel about some of the challenges around it. Um, but again, it's, it's the curiosity. I think what still matters to people is um, things that feel personalised to them. I think the luxury traveller um, just wants, you know, they, they, they want to think that they have been thought of, that that whoever, that wherever they are going or whatever they're experiencing has um, been put together with genuine thought about that person, about that luxury traveller and not something that is a kind of one size fits all. So, you know, you, there's many different terms you can use for that, whether it's unique or rare or, or thoughtful, but at the heart of it, it is something that feels personal to that person. And that can, you know, manifest itself in, in so many different ways. Um, but that's what matters. And then and then my last thing, whenever someone asks what the luxury traveller wants, I think it's probably true of any traveller, but I think it's just as true of luxury travellers. They want they want stories. You know, they want they want experiences that will fuel not just stories that they tell other people, but stories that they'll tell themselves. You know, it's moments when you're back in the rat race or in the, the stress of the day-to-day that you can disappear into for a while. And and that's what great travel experiences, you know, in the luxury space. Uh, should be should be giving you. I think in any space, particularly luxury, you know, back to Martin's purpose is, you know, um, inspiring people through remarkable travel experiences. And 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 part of that inspiration is and the remarkable experience having the stories they gather and they they reflect on and they they sit on the porch and account to people years later. So yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a few things, but that's for me what matters. I think. So do you think that's why there's this big shift towards bespoke travel so they can get these unique stories i think so i mean like yeah it's it's look, if you think about like our day-to-day now so many things are commoditized easy to access you know they, instant gratification ephemeral it's just but it's it's just it's almost like we can all get it now or like a minute ago and i think the thing with bespoke travel is there is this feeling of it being just for you or or, 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 or that you're really being listened to. And I, and I mean listened to in a, in a good way, not a kind of eavesdropping by a major social network way. Mm-hmm. And and, um, and when you've got that, the, this idea of being able to have something crafted for you, just for you, that, yes, someone else may have had exactly the same experience or something like but but they probably haven't because there's, there's there's nuances within it that are tailored to you. So it's yours and yours alone. I think there's there's almost like a reaction to the, albeit you know sometimes it's it's a great place to be in when everything's available. But a reaction to that because it all feels the same or or feels like we can all have that now. And then it's about getting it right, really right, and not still settling for some second. And then as part of that process, yeah, it, it does feel things like the stories you'll gather. It does feel an appreciation of the world that you might not be able to get if you could if you did it yourself or you did it on mass so there's 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 that and i think um yeah it, it will it will always matter in terms of being able to do something in a bespoke way but i think the challenge is you know how do you keep improving on that and uh, that's what we keep working on and black tomato recently issued its 2023 travel trend report with your predictions of how you think we'll travel this year and i want to talk about a few of those themes in the report, you say that we'll be traveling, 
and I quote, bolder, more immersive, narrative-driven, and purposeful. And the overarching theme here is, once again, storification. So can you mm-hmm. talk about that theme and what's driving that trend? Yeah, I think the theme itself is about realizing that there are many kind of cultural phenomena out there, um, whether it's literature, whether it's art, whether it's music, um, that have stories all around them, but actually lend themselves brilliantly to, to travel experiences. And I think we have seen, since you started, in fact, look, let's, this was way before I started this company, but um, stories within literature have acted as inspiration for many people to set up on travels around the globe. And often even subconsciously, you just don't realise it, but you go into a place because it was maybe where a great novel was set. Um, but as time's moved on, you, you saw kind of as, you know, let's say 10 years ago, I remember probably about eight years ago, we, we launched a campaign called Set Jetting, which was looking at these really influential drama box sets that you'd watch, whether it was Lost or Mad Men or, I don't know, Twin Peaks. And you just, or you know, Game of Thrones, say, right? And you'd watch these these great stories play out, but you'd be like, God, that place looks amazing. That that backdrop is, you know, I, I want to go there. So suddenly you started getting people going to these places because of the stories or the drama that was set in them. So that started influencing it. And as you move forward, so people's desire to kind of travel and immerse themselves in stories that were set in places or be inspired places just grown and grown. I think we're going to see more of it. I mean, there's, there's one thing there that we've been working on has just launched this year um, that kind of embodies it well, which is, uh, which is with James Bond uh, and, yeah. and that, which is, which is exciting, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's not instead of, I think it's just making it clearer to people that there are great ways to combine passion. So travel, literature, culture, and, and and create truly unique experiences that celebrates the best of both of them. And you also indicated in the report that family travel will become more ambitious with longer stints mm-hmm. and multiple destinations covered in one trip, where the return of grand touring, as you call it, serves as a rite of passage. And you cleverly labeled it World Family Robinson, of course. <laughs> yes. So, so could you talk about that theme a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I think... Uh, Back at COVID, when we when we came out of COVID, um, for good reason, yeah, it was it was a much more kind of tentative approach, I'd say, back to travel. You know, we, it was a so the metaphorical dipping the toe in the water just to kind of see how things were, and certainly for families, you know, it was you know the world felt a bit intimidating. You know, how would my air travel be? How what would it be like? You know, moving through these places, um, and as as things have settled and people have you know, realised that actually. I'm 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 always loath to use the word normal, but things are things are, are settling and getting easier. So suddenly the the desire to kind of perhaps go further than they had before, or or, or simply return to the old place or the old favourites has, has gone. And now it's about let's get back out there and really embrace it. And there's some there's some fantastic places to visit that we can combine all these different needs and interests in the family and go out and do it together and have adventures together and adventures that really bond um, and connect different generations of family um, and so yeah we're seeing you know fantastic kinds of inquiries and bookings all over the world where whether it's parents and children or grandparents first children or, or two two sides of the family coming together having adventures together kind of you know and and actually that that experience of doing things together but adventures together is, is really quite profound for some of the families we've had and again actually think about coming out of covid when 
people long to travel, those tend to do it first. There was this desire to go out and do things that really kind of connected you again and really kind of to, gave you a shared experience that kind of you would look back on and, and realise the, the significant moment it played in your life. So, yeah, that's what we saw. And yes, World Family Robinson was simply a quick change from it's not just for Switzerland, in Switzerland, it's for everyone. And uh, yes, um, it's uh, we, we're seeing some terrific trips being booked this year and actually have already been delivered this year where people have been um, embracing some of the best adventures that this planet's got to offer. And the other trend I wanted to talk about is touch upon kind of like your view of leisure travel, you know, the mm. hybrid business travel and leisure travel yep. that's growing in popularity is that, you know, the whole work-life boundaries blur and you call the trend listness, mm. which actually flips the notion of a leisure trip tacked yeah. onto a business trip to people planning leisure trips with time for work blended in like a 75, 25 mix yeah. of leisure business split. So what insights were you seeing that surfaced that trend? So I think again, you know, this it's COVID generated, and you know, I'm not um not thankful for anything from COVID, but it, but but what it did do is it it changed it changed our world. Some of it temporarily, but some of it I would say forever. And one of the aspects of that was how we're working. And we saw during COVID coming out of COVID, obviously with the way various workplaces were handling how, how people working you know, remotely or coming in. A lot of people became more comfortable working remotely. A lot of companies said you can work remotely. And, and also a lot of people realized that with, you know, in terms of our blessing of being able to kind of, well, I'm not sure if it's a blessing, but you know, it helps from with work, but being able to kind of be connected almost anywhere you are. Suddenly, you know, if you're working in, in an industry that allowed you to, to be primarily on your laptop and not have to be you know, physically in a space for certain roles, you could work from anywhere and actually you could. Um, so we had this whole nomadic travel where people, you know, where people just move around the world and working from there. But then we, what we saw was, so it was something we saw um, and, and we sort of zeroed in on it, where people saying, look, I'm going to go on a holiday, but I need to kind of have a, with it, where I'm staying, sort of a bit of an office where I'm going to do half days from there. So I'm going to be, you know, doing fun things in the morning, but then I'm going to go and work in the afternoon. And you sort of got to have this, this, this combination or, or maybe I'm going to do work, work one day out of three. And but suddenly someone's like, well, I'm on holiday, so I'm enjoying myself. I can then pop away for a bit, do some important work, um, so I can check in with work on that. And that's it. But then as soon as I'm kind of stepping away from a laptop, I'm I'm stepping out and looking over, you know, the Pacific Ocean, or I'm stepping out and looking over like the Alps. And and that was never that was never really possible in the previous setup before COVID, when everyone was pretty tied to a physical workplace. Or you know, if you did do work on holiday, it was because it was an urgent matter and you were taking time out of a precious holiday this is it's just changed the blend and, and also why we are saying listeners and yes i know it's, it's all a bit jargony and we sort of jump on these things but i think it's just a flip where it used to be i'm going on a business trip and i'll tack on a couple of days holiday afterwards now it's like well i'm gonna go away but perhaps i don't think all this time is holiday and i can you know i can do my conference calls on these days i can check with my team on these days but all these hours in between i'm you know, i'm going to be surfing or i'm going to be you know, um, riding bikes for my children. I'm going to be you know, picking grapes in the vineyard. So it's um, it's just a change, but people are embracing it um, and traveling that way. Are you seeing airlines right now and hotels capturing that uh, leisure slash listless traveler? I think so. I think like, you know, I mean, certainly um, I haven't seen in terms of campaigns. I think hotels certainly have been like, look, you know, we, 
we're set up for you to work in as well. And but not right. saying it's simply for the corporate groups. You know, I think it used to be like come do a big corporate event here and you can work from here. I think people are saying now, look, if you're here with your family and you want to stay for a bit, you need a bit of time to work. We're perfectly set up for that. If you want to kind of be on the beach with your laptop, which I also do acknowledge is probably some people's idea of hell. And and to be honest, you know, you might not want to do that. And when you take your holiday, that's how you need to do it. But it's 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 each their own. And I kind of respect the people that kind of also want to blend it or maybe they need to do that. But it but it's almost like they can do it. So they've been allowed to do it. So they, they can make them a bit more flexible. So yeah, we are seeing that come through with, with suppliers. I think airlines are yeah, I mean, I, 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 I personally haven't seen marketing, but I've heard conversations saying, yeah, it's sort of the leisure traveller now kind of can be a business traveller in terms of what they're doing there. Um, but um, it will it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But like I said, at the moment, I'm seeing um, increasing amounts of people combining it. Um, but like I would say, I'm, it's a trend. It's, it's something that I think is interesting, um, but it's a very personal thing. I also know that they're taking holiday. And I know this from my own experience is also very important to be able to switch off and and properly disconnect and properly refresh and, and properly reboot. And sometimes allowing yourself to be connected to work doesn't necessarily achieve that. But but it does work for a lot of people. So, yeah, it's, it's just it's interesting how these things can facilitate it. And that's why that's a trend that um, that's uh, going to be interesting to observe as it as it as the as the year moves on. One very cool program you announced last year. You just talked about it a second ago was Black Tomato forging a partnership with James Bond movie franchise to bring the 007 to life through a curated trip that mimics some of Bond's most iconic adventures. How did that partnership come about? There are so many adventures and experiences captured on film to choose from. First, how did that whole partnership come about and how did you come up with the itineraries? Um yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been a first. It's been a real privilege to 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 be able to work with Eon, you know, the production um, firm who who own Bond and, and kind of steward, you know, Bond. Um, and and it came about because we'd actually done a project with um, Agatha Christie uh, last right. year, um, and 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 we were approached by the Agatha Christie Estate Limited and to say, look, it was it was the centenary of her. She did a grand tour a hundred years ago where she traveled the world and it acted as a source of inspiration for, for many of her, of her books. And she did some just really remarkable things. I think she was the first female to surf. Like she learned to surf um, in Hawaii and surfed in South Africa. And she just had this incredible trip and, and Agatha Christie limited approach and said, look, would you be interested in working with us to bring this adventure to life to mark the centenary? So, so we did, and that was a real joy. Um, and I say this also as an Agatha Christie fan, it was, a very seminal part of my childhood growing up, you know, not just reading them, but gathering around a, a television set on a Sunday night with the family watching a, 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 you know, a Poirot or a Miss Marple, you know, back when you only had like four channels in the UK. Um, right. So there's really, really interesting thing. So that, that went well. And yeah, on the back of that, um, Eon, like I said, the Bonds production company, um, they saw it, um, I believe, and got in touch um, and, and said, um, look, we, it's the 60th anniversary um, last October of when Dr. No came out and there were some right. big celebrations. And they said, look, we've for kind of forever, um, you know, whenever, whenever a Bond film has come out um, and going back to you know, say my, my point earlier about stories and, and, and destinations featuring the stars and dramas, you know, you know Bond's a great film, but you know, the, the location is often, you know, well, one of the stars as well. And you, you marvel at these, these, incredibly um, glamorous exciting daring venue of destinations and so whenever a bond film would come out every travel provider in the world would say like here's, here's our 
tra- trip to travel like Bond. You know, do, do it like this. And and it was just, but it was never done with uh, kind of an endorsement or, or, or kind of a, a, a collaborative approach from Bond itself. And so Ian said that we wanted for the first time work with a travel company um, to bring Bond to life, but do it hand in hand, just work together and do it from a, you know, a, a, a properly endorsed perspective. Um, so it was a real honour to be chosen. You know, I think they, I believe they, you know, they, they, had, they had a really good look at the travel industry, and, um, and we were fortunate enough to kind of have been recommended and 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 considered. And yeah, that led to um, what's been a really fantastic relationship. And we we then began the, the the sort of the process of saying, well, what does a kind of a bond travel experience look like, and, and how could we do it, and how do we execute it, and what would we want people to feel, what would we want them to see, and, and how, how would that work, and and that um, so we announced the partnership in October last year, the 60th anniversary, and in that we kind of gave a teaser to some of the things you could do then, um, and and then the full um, itineraries and trips um, launches um, at the end of March, um, and and what what basically what it is now is there's a whole series of different experiences you can do within London. So, we, so we're starting in Europe for the first round, and the plan you know, I, I hope is to keep working with Bond as we move forward, you know, each year to do to do more. Um, and we're doing Europe for the first kind of, if you like, the first arena of, of where people are going to be able to travel in Bond's um, world. And uh, it's it's a combination of London, of Paris with some time in Chantilly, of, of Monaco, uh, Lake Como, and then finishing in Venice. Wow. And you can you can choose some different experiences. You can create your own bespoke trip um, and do different ones. Always starting in London and combine other places, or there is a full blown um, trip called the Assignment, which is a twelve night journey from London through Paris, Monaco, Lake Como, Venice, finishing with a grand finale in Venice. That's kind of um, built around a, a narrative of of something that the client is going to be doing. And and it's been it's been a real real joy to work with Eon because they've really opened up their world to us. So we. You know, we're getting to work with um, so, you know, people who are who are so closely connected to the Bond world. We're getting to kind of get access to, you know, whether it's props or whether it's, you know, venues or, or, or sellers or, you know, um, vehicles that have never been used before. No one's been able to kind of see before in terms of outside of the movies. Um, and yeah it's 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 really really exciting so um so yeah more to come on that on that phrase on that on that front but i would say as a as someone who's been a lifelong bond fan um and who always you know like i said a value of our companies about being humble it was yeah it was it was a pinching moment when when we got asked when we got asked to uh to work with bond and and and, and also kind of um an honor and and a, and a sense of expectation that we had to kind of get it right and and treat you know this institution and much loved um hugely loved and cared for cultural phenomenon with you know with the right respect it deserves and, and get it right so um it's been it's been great to, to kind of launch it been great to see the levels of interest and, and bookings coming in for it and and i'm excited for, for for what's to come you know we're seeing the buzz generated around the hit series the white lotus generating plenty of interest oh. around the shows in real life locations same thing for Emily in Paris, Bridgerton, Yellowstone. I can go on. Mm. So do you see pop culture and TV inspired destinations becoming even more popular? Yes, I do. Um, I think I, I, yeah, I mentioned earlier about the set jetting thing we did. Um, so it's always been there, um, but it's but it's a balance, right? And, and so I do see them becoming more popular, but I also do see um, there being a 
uh, a saturation point, a limit where that will that will wear off very quickly for certain people. Okay, so so you look at White Lotus, yeah. Um, that you know that property is you know we've, we've been we've been booking people into that property you know on the back of the White Lotus and you, you and we saw it even when White Lotus first series in Hawaii you know it was like a love letter to Hawaii albeit with a lot of darkness but the way it's shot same as in terms of what was happening Sicily so I do see that happening and I do see when people look at them in Paris you know I, I want to be there it's like you know, you know Game of Thrones people want to be there they might not want to be in the middle of a battle but they want to be on those those beautiful landscapes whether it's in Northern Ireland or in Iceland or in the in the back streets of Croatia so that is becoming more um, relevant. You will see more operators capitalising on that, but they'll reach a point where um, if people start going to somewhere and it is overrun by buses, coach um, loads of tourists, and there's nothing wrong, by the way, I'm not saying that's bad for people. Everyone can enjoy it however they want. But I think for certain people at the moment, to getting in on things now, you're going there enjoying it. There will be with some places. It'll be done, and it'll be it'll be too much, and it'll be like you know there'll be a bun fight to go and stand at that bit where this shot was taken. So I think the the people who have these places that have been brought to life, say this particular property, um, say a hotel that's been brought to life, they have a kind of responsibility, I think, to kind of maintain its its level um, and you know its its sort of its its aura, and and that can that can fade away quite quickly if you don't if you don't kind of protect it. With, with destinations like, you know, like uh, Emily in Paris, Paris, that's just, that's great. It's lovely to speak to you. Then I, I think it's just different ways of inspiring people to travel. And for me, I think that's brilliant. You know, I, I, I'm always a big proponent of anything that can inspire someone to travel in whatever medium. I think it's good because it means people are traveling. Um, it's just, you know, how they experience it and what they do when they're there is, is the key. And, you know, that's often you know, where, where I say companies like mine can help. As the bespoke luxury travel space is getting more crowded, are you finding yourself in an arms race to develop even more innovative offerings and itineraries? Like how much time do you spend negotiating insider access to normally private sites and experiences to kind of raise the game? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for the reasons I mentioned earlier about you know our approach or our, our rather our recognition of the importance of innovation, I think I'm I'm confident or i'm i believe in i believe in how we're doing things that we will we will maintain a fresh approach and that we are constantly looking at what's happening and and questioning things to to ensure that we will um continue to be relevant and continue to i hope in some regards drive how people are thinking about traveling and where to go so so firstly that's that's a culture that's a company thing so uh i i yeah it's not i think so we need to change overnight i think we're I think we're good, but I say that with a big caveat of I'm very humble about that and I think we can always be better. Um, in terms of racing to get access to places, yeah, that's an interesting one. I think, you know, if you're if you built your strong network of relationships around the world and people know who you are, they know how you approach travel and they know the your client base and, and why you want to work with them, then then access should be granted or, or can be granted. And it's not necessarily it can be exclusive, but it's not necessarily first come first heard i think it's certain places they want to work with people that they respect that they feel understand them and that and um, bring a, a great sensitivity to how they're working together so um it matters to, to some clients some places other places it doesn't matter but yeah i think it's you, you tend to achieve the impossible by being good people and by 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 being 
good to work with and being humble and being thoughtful. And and we've definitely we've seen that. Um, and I and I think it's not just by fluke that we've managed to kind of create some of these world firsts or get these things. I think it's because you've got a, a very, very good bunch of people who, who are good to work with and, and care deeply about our partners as well. So, Tom, my final question is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only have one luxury item with you, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of air transportation or water transportation or anything that requires mobile service. So you can call someone to get you off that island. It's just you, lots of sand, lots of water, some palm trees. I definitely know you would not find this on a black tomato itinerary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what would that one single luxury item you would like to have with you? So I've often thought about this. There's a, there's a show, a radio show in the UK called Desert Island Discs uh, that I listened to growing up. I still listen to. And oh yeah, it's famous. At the end, and, and I love it. And, and I've always struggled. And so I'm going to probably give you a really terrible answer. So originally I was like, well, it would be my, my daughters. Cause I, you know, when I travel, I miss them the most. And that's, and that, you know, but then that's not a luxury. I'm just blessed with that. And, and, and they'd probably hate me for dragging them off to an island. I'd take my wife as well. And, they, <laughs> and, they, and they'd want to be home and having more fun and, and wouldn't want to be in this terrible situation that their dad's got themselves into. So that would backfire. So it can't be my, my daughters and my wife. Um, and then I thought, well, actually, I think the things that I, I treasure the most when I do have the time to do it is read. And I, I just, I love reading. And I think that's, you know, don't get to do it enough because of how manic we are. So if I'm on a desert island, I figure I've got a lot of time um, and I will need to be distracted um, and I'm going to be greedy, but I was, I was going to ask for a library. Um, and, and originally I'm going to say, well, I'll, I'll ask like the British library, but then I'd, 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 I'd have so much to read. I'd also probably be able to work out how to get off the island from one of the books there. Um, I'll certainly be able to live off that. But then I thought that was probably too big for the island. So then maybe just a really good bookshop. Like one of my favorite books was like either City Lights in San Francisco, which I just think is amazing and for all the reasons and its influence, or Dawn Books in Marlebone, uh, which is, you know, one of the original great travel bookstores and now has lots. But basically there'd be lots of books for me to read and, and lose myself in, but I hope you find some inspiration to survive and get off the island as well. It's a big ask and it's probably not even allowed, but I'm going to be greedy and ask for a, for a library or a bookstore. Tom Marshan, owner and co-founder of Black Tomato. Thank you so much for joining me on The Luxury Item. Thank you, Scott. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. That's it for this episode of The Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.